And thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, all of you, for helping to worship. Uh, great to be here. I've heard a lot of things about your church, and nice to be with you last evening and today and uh, right now to look at the Word of God. That's our goal. And uh, to try to look at some of the mysteries of life. Will you join me in Colossians chapter 2? And we're going to look at, there's few Bibles there, and most of these are from the Apostle Paul and about some of the mysteries of life. I'd like to just take a unit study today and talk about the things you'll never know, you'll never understand without uh, the revelation of God. And that's the point. Uh, I was, uh, these are our three grandkids and I love them dearly. We were playing one day and uh, the two of the girls were beating me on my back. It was just make-believe and we were having so much fun. And uh, Blaze came running into the room, this was several years ago, in his Spider-Man outfit. And he leaped on my back. I was lying on the floor and they're pounding on me. He leaped on my back and he whispered to me, my name is, is Spider-Man and I am your friend. <laughs> well, I saw the posters and my name is Batman, I think. I think that was I and I am your friend. But you have to decide that. But to look at these together, join me. This is the mystery issue. And uh, the mystery is revealed Colossians chapter 2 is the first one, and there are a number of them in the Bible. I'm going to take five, and just, there's one main thing about every one of them, and it's the great hobby horse of the church, and it's exactly where we should end up being. In uh, Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to read the setting for this, Uh, verse 1. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. This is Paul's personal word, of course. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, here we go, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." Everywhere you go, I know it's true with you in Naperville and our surrounding area. It was true with me in Akron for 26 years. People have images of God or concepts. Uh, My next-door neighbor told me, my daddy said there's a God who would never judge sin. And he would never pick on people because he's a God of love. And, And I said, we had talked about this, where did you get that? Or where did he get that? He didn't know. And I did say with a gracious smile, I think, you're basing your life and your eternity on something and you don't know where you got it or where your daddy got it. You hear all kinds of versions of God on the talk shows as you drive or next door neighbors and we all have our concept of God as little kids. He says here that the mystery of God is Christ. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. He even said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Whoa. His best friend John said of him, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And that's a, that's a deity term. That's not he's my baby. That's only begotten. If you're a Jew, you know that means exactly like God. The only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, John said. In his most daring statement, Jesus said in John chapter 8 that before Abraham was, I am. 
Yahweh that we just sang to and about. Creator God, Rose of Sharon, he's my Yahweh, Jehovah. So the first mystery, and a mystery in the Bible is something that's covered over in the past. People try to figure out, but it's covered over. Now God pulls the sheet off it and says, you want to see what I'm like? Look at Jesus Christ. Want to see him angry? Look at the temple. He does get angry. Want to see how he treats kids? Watch him. Let the children come unto me, he said. He was a friend of lepers, only because he was one of them in one sense. He loved them. He loved people of all sizes and shapes. He endured hell on the cross and showed that he is heaven. He is our Savior. He didn't just talk about love. He showed it. He is God. First mystery is God. What's he like? The mystery is solved. These are not mysteries like Sherlock Holmes or television shows. These are mysteries meaning secrets of God that he wants us to know. Number two, join me in Colossians chapter 1, what salvation is. Just before this, Paul uses the word mystery a lot, by the way. Verse 25, I have become its servant, servant of the church, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, here it is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. People don't, I know this, I'm not naive, I am sometimes. People don't go around saying, I wonder what salvation is. But they do go around drinking their way into happiness. They do go around staying so busy they never have to think about what salvation is. They do go around wondering about good health, and the word salvation here can be translated good spiritual health. It just means whole, good, healthy. But the mystery of salvation in the Old Testament, they didn't quite understand it. They just knew, put your hand on the head of the lamb, son. Put your hand on the head of the lamb. Why, Dad? Why do we have to do this again? Day after day, Sabbath after Sabbath, thousands and millions of lambs and goats were offered. Who knew what salvation was? All the sins of the Old Testament were put in a pile over here. They were never punished. They were forgiven by faith in the Lamb and in the revelation of God. But now in the New Testament, we understand this whole issue, the mystery of salvation, which is Christ in you. You see it there in verse 27? To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Some of you are married, and uh, you know that when you got married, you started life over in a sense. The dead, the dead thing that happened was your single life, and now you live in combination, right? Sometimes I forget that I live in combination. Once I forgot to tell my wife 30 deacons and deaconesses were coming for supper. Serious. Only one time I did that. Well, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, some of you have done that. I hope, I hope all of you are considering that if you're not sure. It's Christ, you now live in combination. Christ lives in you. 
he becomes uh, the one you want to know. He saying, knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater joy. You're my all, you're my rest. That means I rest totally in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4 says he's our Sabbath. Sabbath rest. You cease from all your works to trust God and his son, Jesus Christ. You invite him into your life as Lord and Savior. And then you're supposed to stop living as you used to live, the single life without Christ, now Christ in you, the hope of glory. That means the assurance of heaven, but also the best life now. That mystery has been solved. You guys, you don't have to go around saying, I wonder how you get in with a holy God. A new acquaintance was dying from cancer, and his wife asked me to come see him. We had minute spots on TV, and I was the only pastor she said he liked. It's only because he never gave other pastors a chance, and I never asked for money. But I I went to see him, and uh, he was angry that his wife had invited someone to see him. Well, he had cancer. He was going to die in three weeks, it turned out. And we talked about sports, and then weather, and then health, and then heaven and Christ. He said, I'm a good man. He, said, he told me about his integrity. He was the president of a company, and he had really done it well. Good, I said, but do you know, you do know, you have to be perfect to go to heaven. He said, no one's perfect. That's a start. You do have to be perfect to go to heaven. You have to be totally righteous. God can't let Hitler in. We're glad about that. Not Saddam Hussein. Oh, we're grateful for that. But not me either with sin on my back. He's holy. He can't look at at unholiness. But what if perfect is a gift? What if when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, God sees you now covered by Christ and his righteousness? In Romans chapter 3, in the great text that just concluded that no one will ever be saved by the Ten Commandments. All they do is point out your sin. Right after that, it says, but now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known. The secret is out. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, for there's no difference All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are declared righteous, justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, the secret of salvation, 76% of people in America in a recent Gallup poll said they would go to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments. Whoa. Now, to be fair... These were the, of the people who said they thought they would go to heaven. 76% said they would go by keeping the Ten Commandments. My good friend John's, when I asked him, if you died today and went to heaven, and God said, why should I let you in? What would you say? And he said, I'd probably say I kept the Ten Commandments. And I knew him well enough. I said, John, what are they? He couldn't name three of them, Honest. And the two that he named, he had already broken. Hello, I wanted to say. I'm riding with a a learned astronomer on an airplane from Tucson to Chicago. He's a graduate of the University of Chicago, PhD, which just means he's brilliant. 
And I, we got to talking. He wanted to talk about spiritual things. And I said this famous question, if you died today and went to heaven and God said, why should I let you in? What would you say? It does put you on the spot. He said, I'd probably say, I, I did my best. And I said, did you? He said, no. I said, the first thing you say to God's going to be a lie? <laughs> Serious. He said, I'm in trouble, aren't I? <laughs> I said, you are. What if righteousness is a gift? The salvation is not a mystery. Most people go around saying, well, I'm doing the best I can. You are not. There's not a soul in the world who ever did the best he could. Not even for a day. But the mystery is clear. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look at 28. We proclaim him, admonishing and reaching everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ, mature in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Look at chapter 2, verse 9. In Christ, this is huge, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Whoa. Write in your Bibles, whoa. <laughs> At our church, we always said, whoa, instead of amen. And all the people said, whoa. Yeah, okay, we got it. Verse 10, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. That's huge. And yet people go around saying, well, I don't know, or I go to bed at night. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul would take. I don't know. One guy said in a restaurant to me, I asked him if he was sure of heaven and the best of life now. He goes, knock on wood. I said, knock on wood. Are you married? Why don't you go, knock on wood. I think I'm married. It's sure if you're in Christ. It's not sure if you're not in Christ. It's sure it's not there. The mystery is clear. Christ in you. Do you know that Christ is in you? I don't hear voices. I hear words of assurance and joy when I sing, Knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing. When I pray in Jesus' name, I know God hears me just because he's Lord and Savior. He not only takes all our sins on the cross, you know, he cries out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because my sins were on his back, yours too. And then he cried out, it is finished, which means it is paid for. But not only does his death count as our atonement or satisfaction of the holy laws of God, but the Bible says, as I said in Romans 3, God counts the righteousness of Christ as covering me and you. Whoa. So don't go around saying, well, I think so. Or I sure hope so because I'm doing the best I can. You are not. You can't because we're so selfish. But you can rest in Jesus Christ and seek to obey him in gratitude that his righteousness and his perfection covers you. The mystery is out. Do we want to believe it? These are huge mysteries. This is not about light stuff. Number three, 
This is the mystery that nobody talks about too much, and it's, well, look with me at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, just two books to the left, if you're looking. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, and in verse 2, he says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. What's the mystery? As I have already written briefly, in reading this, you will, be under, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. What's the mystery? Come on, Paul. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Christ. And that we would be members together of one body. So the answer to this mystery is the church, the one body. How do all these promises to Abraham relate to me? Some people think there's two books, Old Testament, New Testament. In the Old Testament, they'll say you were saved by works. In the New Testament, saved by grace. Nonsense. In the Old Testament, they were saved by grace through faith. In the New Testament, saved by grace through faith. In the Old Testament, it was faith in the promise of God that he would send his son. Put your hand on the head of the lamb, son. And then the son comes, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jews and Gentiles come together in the church, in the body of Christ. All the promises of the kingdom, I believe, relate to the church in the future that there will be a kingdom, a physical kingdom. The lion will lie down with the lamb. It'll be fantastic And we're in on this, Jew and Gentile together in the church. So the church is not just about Saturday or Sunday. The church is not just about 9.30 and being here. The church is the body of Christ with the one message that can change the world. Do you actually believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ could change North Korea? Do you actually believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ could make Iran turn toward a different purpose? Do you actually believe that your neighbor needs Christ? That this church has a mission right here and around this area? The mystery of how in the world do the old and new go together? How? In the church. Jesus uh, was, was spoken of by the Father. This is my beloved Son. Hear him. And then the Son says, I will build my church. You go into all the world. With Christ in us, we share the gospel. The good news. The third mystery, not talked about very much, I understand that, is the answer to the old and new promises and all the Bible is in the body of Christ, the church. You ought to be a part of the church. Well, here you are. I know that. But you ought to be a working member of the church, the body of Christ. So these mysteries relate to life and death and also pain, and the Bible speaks of that in another kind of context too. But the mystery of what is God's work in the church today or in the world today is related to the church. Here's another one, the fourth one, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Will you join me there? Back to the left a little bit, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, this one's one that people ask a lot. Listen, First uh, Corinthians 15. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. 
By the way, I know this is corny, but it's true. That verse was up in the nursery of the church I grew up with. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Get it, babies? I kind of like it. But it relates to death. We will not all die, Paul says. He thought that Christ might come back to the earth, clearly, before he died. So he said, we won't all sleep. It's a nice term for death, by the way. Your body falls asleep. You go immediately to be with the Lord. We'll not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. So the mystery is, what happens to people when they die? Michael Jackson. I heard so many people talking about his sad death recently, and uh, oh, there were a few cliches about he's dancing or doing the moonwalk up in heaven, but people don't like to think about what happens, and CBS isn't allowed to talk about it. Fox either. You should. What happens after death? My sister was 14, my mom 45. That's too young, both. I hated it. I still can't stand thinking about it. But what happens? There is resurrection. I show you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. 52, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Whoa. Here's the change. Next verse, 53. The perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, mean a body that will never die, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? It's in Christ. In the Old Testament, Job kind of gave it away. God had helped him, no question. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives and that the worms destroy my body. I, he gave some hope, but they didn't know for sure. In the New Testament, Jesus said, when you die, I will raise you from the grave. Lazarus, come forth, just to show he could do it. Now, Lazarus had to die again. Kind of a bummer. Here I go again. Those were his exact words, if you read in between the lines. But the mystery of what happens after death, here it is. Uh, I hope you believe that. There's a fifth one, and then I want to talk about the common secret of all of these. And this one's in uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Back to Ephesians. I hope you don't mind paging around. I have paper clips in mine. I got advantage. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 is one sentence in the Greek. I mean, Paul sometimes did these cumbersome, long sentences. Verse 6, uh, about Christ, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, there we go, in accord with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his, watch this, strength, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. The mystery is, what's going to happen? How does this all end? And the answer is, at the return of Jesus Christ. Whoa. 
everything will be brought under the head. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. In the meantime, you might hear the name Jesus more on the basketball court or when somebody's ticked off at work. But someday, every knee will bow. Where's it all going? When I was little, I think it was Peggy Lee, I'm not sure, a singer that only about three of us in the room remember. But I think she's saying, is that all there is? If that's all there is, let's go on dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball. When I was in my 20s, there was a song that hit the churches. Is there something missing? Is there more to life? And now many of the even rap songs talk about no meaning in life. There is a goal. There is an ending. And it is when Jesus Christ returns. Are you one on this? Or, is, or do you say, that's nice. I, I think church is nice. Good, good luck. Or are you in Jesus Christ? These are some of the mysteries. And they're all revealed by God. He doesn't want us to go through life. Well, I wonder... I wonder what God's like. Jesus. I wonder how it is that a person gets perfect health in front of a holy God. Jesus Christ in you. By faith. You believe in him. You trust him. Do you? I mean, people go to church. I know this. Uh, We had a lot of people who just came to church, kind of liked it. I went through Monday through Saturday in another hemisphere somewhere, spiritually. But when we understand who Christ is and that he has done all these things and that God has revealed these things in his son, Jesus Christ, we can know the meaning of life. We can know where we're headed after death even and that someday God will bring this ship into port. There's a lot of junky stuff going on in some of the rooms, but he's going to bring this ship called life into port at exactly the time he he declares. And Christ will go through each room and everyone will give account of their lives. And some will be found in his righteousness and with their sins forgiven because of who he is. He is the center of God's universe, too. The secrets are revealed by God, but you've got to believe and obey. I said that I uh, windsurf. Here's a picture of me windsurfing on the other side of the lake, uh, Lake Michigan. If you look really closely, you can see my face, and I had my glasses on at the time. You've got to stay ahead of those waves, baby. You've got to stay ahead of them. That is an actual picture, not me, but it's in Hawaii, and I think, I don't windsurf. <laughs> Whoa. But how are you going to stand up against all the mysteries of God? The truth chases you. Job said, after God really talked to him candidly, Job said, I spoke of things I did not understand. And he repented, and he bowed before God. He said, things too wonderful for me. That's what these are. Whoa. Just before that, God said to Job, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me. Come on. God was sarcastic to him. Job, were you there when I made the crocodile, the leviathan? Do you know how to make a horse with that flowing mane and that strength that runs and gallops? Job, come on. Tell me. Do you know where I store the lightning? 
And God says all this to Job, who's come up with his theories. My daddy said that uh, people suffer sometimes. Come on, Job, you just trust me. And it's interesting that God's answer to Job about pain, the worst pain in the world, was, I'm not telling you much except I made all of this. If I did all of this, can you trust me? And that's when Job in 42 falls down on his face and he said, things too wonderful for me that I can't understand. And that's why when we come to church, we worship. LeBron, James, you only have to say his first name. LeBron is from Akron, where I just lived for 26 years. Um, But we don't meet there. I know there's a great acclaim for him and uh, groupies around him and all that. Uh, Amazing player. But you don't meet every week and sing songs about LeBron. Only Jesus Christ. Things too wonderful for us. He is the head of the church. He's the image of the living God. He is the creator. It says in Colossians, everything was made by him and for him. Whoa! And all of us are called to bow before him. Not only to believe, but... um, And the reason that he gives these is so we can live. Jesus said... I have come that you might have life, John, John uh, clearly, and you might have it more abundantly, John 10.10. 10. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. There's this amazing scene. I, I think it's amazing. In one of the movies about Jesus, some of them are kind of... Anyway, this was a good one. And Jesus turns to Matthew and a couple other disciples, but the, the camera comes in on Matthew. And he's already taught them a little bit, and he's already shown them who he is in some ways. But he says to Matthew, follow me. And then he turns and starts walking away. And the camera shows Jesus, and then it turns back to Matthew's face. And Jesus doesn't turn around and say, Matthew, you've got to come. If you don't come, it's not going to work. Come on, Matthew. He just starts walking. It's a good picture. Matthew does follow him. You know the story probably. But he says it to you today and to me. Follow me. Obey me. Trust me first as Lord and Savior. Live. Bill Cosby tells the story of a man who died and was buried in his gold Cadillac because he wanted to be, and he was wealthy. And some kids are watching the cortege, the funeral procession, go down the street. And Cosby says, two of the kids said, see in the gold Cadillac, man, that's living. No, that's not living. What is living? I tried to count up the other day. I was asking a seminary class related to people who are dying, my grandmother, my mother, And then maybe a hundred other people, I've sat on their bed or in most cases just stood right beside them. They're dying. And nobody talks about their car. Nobody talks about their achievements. They either are quiet or they talk about their faith in Jesus Christ, the center of God's universe. Do you love him? Do you understand that when we sing about him, we're singing to the Yahweh creator of the whole universe? Maker of heaven and earth. Giver of our lungs and our choices. We were made in his God's image, which means we're spiritual beings who can choose and love him and even image him or reflect him. 
when we abide in Christ. That's everything. And it all centers on what he did also at the cross and what Calvary really means. For there at one moment, heaven and earth meet, hell and heaven meet. In what seemed like a triumph for Satan for three days, Jesus dies, but it's for our sins. Now we're called to follow him because he rose again three days later. He's Lord and Savior. Is he in you? And does your family know it? And gradually your friends... Lee Atwater, some of you know the name. He was the great and mean um, head of the Republican Party when George Bush, the first George Bush, was president. Lee Atwater was the one who devised, some of you remember, the very, very mean campaign against Dukakis from Massachusetts. He was known, Time Magazine called him a devil in Washington. But Lee Atwater developed a brain tumor And he said, the fifth person that told him, you ought to call Doug Coe, C-O-E, Doug Coe. He finally called Doug Coe. Doug Coe is the head of the family. It's not the mafia. It's a Christian secret uh, behind-the-scenes organization formerly called Fellowship House in Washington. They sponsor the presidential prayer breakfast. They have Bible studies with people all over Washington. Doug Coe has helped so many people. He helped me start uh, a prayer breakfast in Ashland and then in Akron. Behind the scenes, Doug Coe visited Lee Atwater. Atwater invited Jesus Christ to be a Savior and Lord, and his life was changed. The brain tumor kept growing, but his life was changed, and he grew in faith. A good friend of mine was at the presidential prayer breakfast when Lee Atwater came in. Everybody was seated after the speaker, after everything, and Lee Atwater was wheeled to the podium in a wheelchair, the brain tumor, he would die in three weeks. And here's what he said. There are only two questions in life. Do you love Jesus Christ? Does it make any difference in your life? And my friend said it got very, very quiet, and then they wheeled Lee Atwater off. And he would die in several weeks. But the questions remain. Do you love Jesus Christ? Trust him. Obey him. Does it make a difference? He's the center of God's plan. Let's pray. God, help us, first of all, worship and honor your Son, eternal creator of the universe, the great I Am. As you pray, just thank God, not out loud, but quietly in your heart, for who Jesus the Christ is, center of all the mysteries, no question. Personal Savior and Lord of all those who believe. If you're not sure of that, ask him to help you know if all this is true or if I'm just making it up.
Or maybe you're ready to invite him to be your Lord and your Savior by faith. It's not just a prayer, it's a commitment to trust. Follow. If he's your Savior and Lord, does it make a difference in your life? God, with deep thanksgiving for your Holy Spirit who lives in all who believe, Christ in us, with deep thanksgiving for how you change us gradually and give us hope, we worship you and thank you for your Son, our Lord and Savior of all who believe. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your son. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we give thanks together with this song.